This is a HeadGum Podcast. Welcome back to the Throwback Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, joined, as always, by my friend, Bob Kestron. What's up, buddy? How you doing? Hey, buddy. What's going on? Uh, I'm a little bummed. I thought this was going to be our first post-vasectomy show. It was supposed to be. This was going to be the post-V show, but the uh, the V got PPD'd. Yeah, I want to share with the, the audience, and again, welcome back, uh, and thank you for listening. Uh, we, we love you. And uh, if you love us, you will uh, please uh, go to iTunes, give us five stars, uh, leave a leave a review, positive, negative, don't care, but leave five stars. That matters in the iTunes podcast realm. It yeah, really we, does. and we want to figure out like a fun thing to do with you guys when you leave a review. If like you say something interesting, we'll read it on the show. We're figu- we're 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 workshopping that. Nice. So yeah, I was just to give a people a little peek behind the glass here. Uh, a little peek behind the curtain. Um, Bob, you shot me an email letting me know that your V was postponed and that you had nothing but time on your hands. <laughs> I can pod whenever, hang whenever, whatever. A little desperate. That Sorry. is, well, it's very desperate. That's my life right now. Not only did I not get a vasectomy as originally planned, but uh, my whole family is on the other side of the country right now. Yeah. So I am an unencumbered man not knowing what to do with my free time and uh, just looking for some dudes to hang out with. So if, you, if you're listening now, uh, oh, come on by, guys. Up. Come on by. I, you know, I'll make you I'll make you a drink. Oh, I don't boy. know. We can get a burger or something. Just stop. Bob. Just stop. <laughs> anyway, so I replied to the email. Why the postponement? Your reply. Right. This is on email. Dick's too big. Right. Right. That's what that was. What the doctor said. Yeah. And then I replied. My dick's so big, they cancel my surgery every day, even though I've never scheduled one. Right. And I didn't even bother to respond to that one because that was, I feel like, the end of the conversation. <laughs> Where do you take the conversation at that point? That was it. That was it. Um, so there will be a post-vasectomy podcast uh, here on the throwback, maybe even two. I am, you know, I'm we'll bummed see. it was postponed. That would be Bob's first one, which would be botched, then the corrective one that I'm, might take. Well, I'm going to this highly recommended doctor by my friend Antonio Cromarty. He told me like this oh, is no. this is the guy to go to, and I'm excited about that. You have uh, sought advice from the wrong uh, <laughs> NFL cornerback. Uh, yes, the throwback podcast where we go back into our deep well of friendship, Bob and I, and pick an album that connected with both of us, uh, and we revisit it track by track, and uh, we decide how it's aged, how we've aged, and how society has aged mm. the last one not so much no i feel like we haven't hit that yet but no. we will really hard at some point uh but uh bob we are traveling back about a decade plus today aren't we we are we're staying in the aughts we're going to march 2003 ah what a time to be alive we were both 23 no i was 23 you were still 22 just a baby at 22 and we were both at a co- just out of college um I was working as a part-time sports reporter uh, for a large uh, daily newspaper in Westchester County, New York, commuting from my parents' house at that point. The Rockland, well, the Journal News. The Journal News, yes, in uh, based in White Plains. And uh, is that where you worked with Ian Rappaport? I worked with Rapsheet, who's now the NFL network insider over at NFL, my day job. Uh, that's where we both got our start. Ian used to drive a green Mustang, which was always funny to me. Yeah. I remember you complaining a lot about that job at the time. Well, it's not, there's a reason I got out of that end of the sports business and it's because, uh, covering, you're not going to believe this, but covering high school, uh, swimming and diving championships sucks. (laughs) Why don't you think I'll believe that? I totally believe that. Okay, good. All right, so as we do every episode, Bob, we like to, before we get into the album we'll be discussing today that came out in March 2003, we like to see what was going on in the world uh, when we were just young, post-collegiate bros with giant uh, genitals. What do we got, Bob? All right, here we go. Uh, March 2003, Operation Iraqi Freedom began. 
These colors don't run, baby. Well, that was when it began. Of course, it ended just two months later in May 2003. Mission accomplished. So yes. uh, we've had peace in the Middle East ever since. Oh, yeah. We finally figured it out. That in was that it. War. So I don't think uh, I think George W. Bush was immediately vindicated. And that's where we are in society. G.W.S. B. nailed it. Stuck the landing. Banner came down. It was a win. Uh, okay, that was good. I mean, I remember when they toured, when they, they took down the Saddam statue. That was big. It kind of felt like if you were a kid, remember, Bob, when we were 11 and there was the Persian Gulf War, It always, we thought that all wars were very short. Right. Uh, and a war was basically something that happened for two years and you defeat Iraq and then life would be great. But then we kind of learned over the next like 15 years that followed that life isn't that simple as it turns out. Turns out. Yeah. What else, Bob? Uh, also, another fun story. Did we just delve into like a political uh, aside there? That was a bad guy. I mean, it's what happened. I was going to say that I remember finding out that we went to war at a concert. I was at the streets. <laughs> the streets. The streets were playing a concert. I was there with our friend Sarah. Yeah. And uh, Mike Skinner announced on stage that he had just heard that. Uh... <laughs> yeah. So that's how I found out. The streets told you that yeah. the Amer United States is at war. Yep. Wow. Well, that's interesting. Okay, what else, Bob? All right. Elizabeth Smart was found after going missing for nine months. Oh, she was a, she was a rough situation for yeah. her. Yeah, I feel like that's a story right up your alley because you love the real crime stuff. And, yeah, um, no, that was the guy. That, he was some type of uh, fanatical Christian, I believe, and he kidnapped her and took her into like the mountains and usually that ends very poorly. Let's just put it that way. This one didn't end so bad. And I think she's like going around. She's does speaking engagements. And and I'm happy that Elizabeth Smart's alive. That's my take on this. All right. So you're saying Elizabeth Smart better off for it. Uh, win for Elizabeth Smart. Okay. Well, I didn't say that, but okay. All right. Uh, movies that came out that month. Not a great month for movies. Uh, Bend It Like Beckham, which I thought was a good movie. Young Keira Knightley. Yeah. And um, Blue Collar Comedy Tour the Movie. Oh my goodness! Is that the height of Get Her Done? <laughs> that had to have been the height of Get That's Her Done. The zenith of Get Her Done. Uh, and in music, the number one song in the country was. Oh, this is my cue. Hang this on. is your cue. Don't Hit it, buddy. Fuck this up! Don't fuck this up! Don't fuck this up! Okay, here it comes. Dance Again. Oh, no. That's the no, name of the stupid go. collection. It's this called is... All I Have. Oh, sorry, Bob. This is your one. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no. Bring it home. Hey, baby. This is All I Have. Jennifer Lopez featuring LL Cool J. I've never heard of this. I'm going to skip to the chorus. Yeah. yeah, I have no memory of this. Oh, yeah. This sounds familiar. Be easy. Don't make decisions when you I think there's a portion of our audience, our massive audience, that's like, whoa, I can't believe the guy that hosts every award show was also a rapper. <laughs> that's so Ladies exciting. Love cool James. This had to be probably his last number one hit that he was involved with. It was right right around here where he kind of, the well went dry, but it was a nice run for Ladies Love. Oh, of course. Yeah. Uh, last but not least, uh, I'm sure you were wondering what was on the cover of Maxim Magazine in March 2003. Well, let me guess. In March 2003... I feel like this is always my guess, but a Christy Swanson comeback vehicle. <laughs> this is like the 2003 version of Christy Swanson. Brooke Burns. Ah, uh, yeah. Not to, not to be confused with Brooke Burke. Right. Right. Burns was the one that was uh, banging Bruce Willis, and I believe she might have broken her neck diving into a swimming pool. That survived. I, I can't vouch. That could be Brooke. I have, I have no a surprising, idea. strong well of information <laughs> on Brooke Byrne. Well, the uh, the the other thing on the Maxim cover, the main headline uh, in big letters, "Sex Me," with the subhead, "All Roads Lead to Her Bed." Here's your map. So that's what was happening in Maxim magazine. We, you know, Maxim comes up a lot on this show, strangely, but uh, there's no reason other than to highlight just how stupid it is. Yeah, it can't exist anymore. Like, I does Maxim exist anymore? I think it does, but there's no way that it's those are the headlines anymore. You just can't you can't do those things anymore. I don't think yes. society decided. Wait a second, that's really kind of slimy and weird. And I think we're better off for it. I know you disagree, but I think we're better <laughs> off for it. I really did love Maxim when I was 18 years. Yeah, old. of course. But we're, this is not the Maxim podcast. We do that one on Tuesday nights. Every Tuesday, Maxim Tuesdays. This is the throwback, and we are throwing back to March 2003. 
and the album we're getting into, Elephant by The White Stripes. Oh, that's a biggie. It's a biggie. It's one of those albums that I was like, is it too soon to do this? It's a big one. It's probably one of the biggest albums of the decade. Take us through your thought process more about your struggles on this one. Uh, I didn't sleep last night, despite the fact I don't have kids at home right now, because I was tossing and turning, thinking, are we blowing our load going elephant in our first 10 episodes? Should we have saved it? But ultimately, I think it's the right thing to do. I'm glad we're doing this. I'm glad we get to listen to it again from start to finish. And um, I'm just waiting for you to start playing it so we can really get in. Yes. I mean, there's not a better start. I'm going to fight them all. A seven-nation army couldn't hold me back. They're going to rip it off. Taking their time right behind my back. And I'm talking to myself at night because I can't forget. There's, there might not be a better start to any album in the 2000s in seven-nation army. Especially now that this song has become an anthem and one of, like one of the most identifiable songs, not just from the album or the band, but for the decade. Yeah, uh, and it's the chorus, this this guitar riff, which amazingly has come to take over sports stadiums across the world, not just in this country. I'm gonna try to do some fancy boy um, playing here, Bob. Can we? Let's fade out of this. All right, let's see what happens here. And now I'm going to bring up a few different stadiums across the world. And we're going to start, Bob, uh, at the 2016 Euro Cup final. Gotcha. Here we go. This is uh, the Euro Cup final 2016. Here is Chill out, Bob. We're doing pretty well so far here. Here is Notre Dame at Michigan uh, in 2011. 100,000 people at the big house. And finally. I have, I have so many questions for you right now, but okay, let's do one more. And finally. Here is the Baltimore Ravens season opener, 71,000 fans. My point being, and I will now open the floor for questions, Bob. My point being, uh, this has taken hold in a way that I don't think Jack White or Meg White or anyone else ever could expect it. It's become the new Gary Glitter of the sports world. All right, I don't want to, I don't want to, like jump past Gary Glitter. But my question for you was, did you really think we needed to hear three different stadiums of people do the exact same thing as if it was going to be different? That the fact that it's not different is why I did it. It's a universal anthem, Bob. You could go to Spain, you could go to Maryland, you can go to the heartland and you're going to all these stadiums. Everyone knows the song. It's become an institution. And it was a song that came out when we were just kids. And now it's like something everyone knows. All right. I can't argue that. I can't argue that logic. And it's a great song. It's a great Let's song. Let's not forget how great it is. It was a great song before it was this big anthem. I mean, it, I remember loving the song when the first time I heard the album. And you're right. It's like probably the best first song on any album from the decade. And I specifically do remember talking about that uh, first job I had working at the newspaper uh, sitting in my car, I had gotten to the office uh, early uh, and was just waiting for my shift to start. And I had just gotten the CD and playing the song in my car over and over again. I was like, this song is perfect. Great video that fits the song perfectly. We'll tweet that out in case you've never seen it. Mm, good but choice. Good, it's good great. idea, Bob. Great idea, in fact. All right, let's move on then. I don't even want to move on. I'm not even ready. I don't, I don't think we're accurately even describing how important seven nation army was to this band it is there's there's no way you could argue there was any song that the white strips ever put out that was you maybe could argue better if you want to go down that road but that more accurately defined who the white stripes were and how they're remembered than seven nation army well i was going to say maybe if there was a like when we came to a weak song later on we can go back and talk more about seven nation army that's a good idea but there's not a weak song on this album 
Well, we'll see about that. All right, Bob. here we We're go. Revisiting these song, the each song on the album. Here we go. Next track, Black Math. <laughs> Oh my goodness. I forgot about this song. This is a great song. What a song. Yeah, I'm not even talking because I haven't heard this in a while. And I just want to listen to it again. Um, Black Math, it's a perfect song coming out of that track one anthem. And they were very the white stripes they, everyone knows the story if you're even vaguely connected they were a garage band out of detroit and jack white uh real name jack gillis fun fact he married meg and they uh he took her name and uh had the garage band roots and this is a perfect like kind of throwback he probably thought to himself after seven nation army he wanted to i'm still a garage band guy so the scuzzy uh, driving two minute and 30 second rock song. I love it. When did you get into the White Stripes? Was it this album or did you like anything off of White Blood Cells? I liked White Blood Cells. I didn't love White Blood Cells, but White I had Blood the Cells, CD. It was a much different album than this. Like It was definitely not as accessible. Yeah, but it had accessible songs on it. It totally I mean, did, yeah. Between uh, Fell in Love with a Girl, it had... I Think uh, We're Gonna Be Friends. Dead Leaves in the Dirty Ground was a great song. Ho- I, I Hotel like Yorba. That. Which yeah, Hotel Yorba, which is kind of their first, uh, in terms of, I guess, college radio play that a lot of people heard of them. Mm-hmm. But So I like that album. Yeah. But it kind of got, for me, because I like fell hard for the Strokes around that time, it kind of, they were a step below the Strokes for me. So, But when this album came out, it just, to me, this album is just the superior album. I'm sure there are people... That will say the, that one is, or how do you pronounce the one before that? I know what it's how to spell De-stil? it. Still, I think it's Danish. It's like yeah. Distilge. Distilge. How do we even find this out? We don't. We, oh no! This is the same thing. Like it's just saying something know. out loud that you've only seen on paper. Like, this it's is the never second good. time this has happened to us. But with the Oasis review, be here now. We didn't know how to say reprise or reprise. Well, we'll never know because nobody ever Reprase. tells you. Nobody ever tells you how to say it. Destalage yeah. was their first album. <laughs> Uh, and then White Blood Cells, and then this was their first major label album, Elephant. Well, this one, when this came out, it was like tens in all the or five stars, tens. Like it immediately got the credit of being their best album and just insanely ahead of everything else at the time. I remember as a Strokes fan being like surprised that the White Stripes were leaping over them in the terms of like who's putting out the best stuff. Did you ever see the White Stripes live? I never got to see them. I saw them once uh, in October 2002 when I was working at MTV. Uh, Another PA and I snuck out of work because they were playing a free show down at Union Square. So I didn't even know like what subway I was on because I had just moved to the city. And we went down to Union Square, saw this free concert, and then went back to work. And um, I was unemployed a few weeks later. <laughs> coincidentally, things. coincidentally, coincidentally. Okay, right. okay. Uh, yeah, they are. There were many times that I wanted to see them. They weren't really together for that long after uh, this album came out, so there weren't a ton of different chances to see them, and I just never got to. Which is one of my great regrets of uh, as a concert goer. Um, I didn't see the white stripes because I really would have liked to see them. Let's move on. Track three. There's no home for you here. Another great song. Um, I like the verses a lot and the songwriting on this song a lot. Jack White is uh, going through th- some things in the song. Let's uh, listen to it a little bit, actually. I'm 
like to think that all this constant interaction is just the kind to make you drive yourself away. Each simple gesture done by me is counteracted and leaves me standing here with nothing else to say. I always liked. He's such a great singer. Uh, maybe not. He's not going to be nailing high notes, but he's a great expressive singer, and his delivery is awesome. He's one of the, my favorite frontmen for that reason. For, he's a, obviously a, a great guitarist, and you know his sound immediately. But I just like the way he kind of the half singing, half talking, with the very specific. Like uh, dialect to his voice. I well, always just liked having him. one of those recognizable voices where you know it's him. Uh, when he came out in the Rolling Stone documentary uh, concert movie, Shine a Light. Right. And they did. Um, was it Loving Cup? Loving Cup. Yep. It was amazing. Yeah. Because like just hearing that voice sing that song, it's just so memorable. Like his voice is just so memorable. Do you want to hear? I have another Baltimore Ravens home game. I want to hear just Seven ever, Nation Army. I don't want to hear Seven Nation Army. I want to hear other things Ravens fans were chanting throughout. Ravens fans are terrible. What about um, I have a Jacksonville Jaguars exhibition game uh, where it's actually a Hives single. Which no, one? Uh, I don't have that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, Jack White is one of my favorite uh, figures of uh, the post 2000 rock scene because he's definitely a strange dude like his backstory in general the white stripes are funny and we'll get to meg because she's an interesting one to try to figure out but they have a whole uh a mythology that they they aggressively tried to market um we talked about how they they, they try to pass themselves off as a brother and sister the fact that they dressed in the red and white uh but and that was all kind of gimmicky but then there was the real stuff like jack white uh, used to be what is that thing when you stuff animals for a living? Uh, Ta- taxidermy. Yeah, he was like, or and still is like way into taxidermy. That I did not know. That's you're legit kind of a weird dude when you're doing that. Uh, when you're a taxidermist, let's just say that. I feel like that's a safe thing to say. I don't think many people would argue that. Anyway, if anyone listens to this podcast and you are into taxidermy, you need to explain yourself. Send an email to throwbackpod at gmail.com or, or tweet us at uh, throwbackpod uh, because I would like to know what is the appeal, especially people who do things like their dog died. Like, Bob, your dog is laying next to you right now, Kirby. Yeah, that was a big uh, big moment that you just kind of threw out there. My dog has been here the whole time just yeah. hanging out. She's sleeping. She's chilling. Uh, you know, I hate to say this, Bob. One day she will leave us. Nope. One day it's going to happen. Nope. It happened to my sweet boomer. Uh, several years ago, I still haven't gotten over it. But can you, as much as you love that dog, could you ever imagine stuffing it and then having it sit? The dog looks up now, <laughs> as, and then putting it in your study so you could always have her in the house into old age. I do like in the scenario I have a study, so that means I'm doing something right. Like I'm, I have giving, like, I'm giving you a little latitude. On I have one. a 1980s uh, sitcom <laughs> house where I had my study, where like I do my books, I guess, like jerk off. Every 80 sitcom had like a study for the dad, like Mike Seaver. Yeah, Mike Seaver. Stroking it in his study. <laughs> Wait, is that what he was doing in there? It was always it, because if they, if you ever got the DVDs of the seasons. I never got those. Yeah, the Growing Pains um, extended cut. There would always be like a full segment of each episode of just Mike Seaver going to town on himself in the study to completion. You know, it's funny because I, I remember reading the reviews online and people would talk about that. But I didn't realize he was actually masturbating to completion in yeah. the study. Yeah, the one where yeah, the, I know the review you're talking about is like, it was like, whoa, comma, Mike Seaver has a huge dick. <laughs> it was written by Bono Man 2000. Wait a minute. <laughs> that was my first um, AOL name, screen name, <laughs> Bono right. Man 2000. Let's move on. Let's move on. Next track. Did we just talk about Mike Seaver? And Matt? Ooh, rest in peace, Alan Thick. I feel like you mostly talked about it. Too yes. soon. Too soon. Next track, track four. I just don't know what to do with myself, an all-time favorite of mine. I just don't know what to do with myself. I don't know what to do with myself. You know what I like about the first side of this album? And we talked about the Killers in an earlier episode, and I loved, and we loved that, and we talked about is is the A-side 
of Hot Fuss, the best A-side of the 2000s. And you can certainly make uh, that case. I'm not going to go that far with this album saying that that's in that argument, but I do like how all these songs are kind of a different vibe, a different feel, but it's all cohesive and it's all it's all coming from the same place, but it's all different. It's just a real fun ride to listen to. Yeah, it goes from <clears throat> top to bottom in the album. I'm going to get another beer. Yep, Hang you're on. moving right now. Grab me a beer, too. Okay, while you're watch, there. This. watch this. The dog is freaked out by what you're doing right now. Not happy. Okay, that's my beer. All right. Do you want this yours? one? No, I'll hand that to you. Okay. This is what are great, you drinking today, great Rob? podcasting. An IPA? Yeah, I'm drinking Aurora Hoppy Tales? Not Thank so you. masculine, but... It's an IPA. You're drinking Pacifico. Oh, yeah. Daddy likes that Mexican lager. I don't mind it. I'm just, you know, don't shit on my IPA. Okay. Uh, I like Mike Seaver better than you. How about that? I like, is it Burt Bacharach? Is that what this cover is? It is uh, no, it is. Uh, is it Burt? It might be. It's a nice little uh, callback there, Bob. It is. Yeah, you're right. This is a cover, which is kind of an interesting move. Kind of, again, Jack White, a little bit of a weirdo. I have my favorite Jack White weirdo story, by the way, I want to share now. Uh, he has a well-documented feud with the with the uh, Black Keys, is it? Oh, I thought you were to talk about like around when this album came out, when he uh, got in a fight with the guy from the Von Bondies. Oh, yeah. Didn't he punch him or something? Yeah, he like broke his nose, maybe. Punched him in the face. That's good PR for a rock star, though. It really is. If you win a fight, even if you get deal with the criminal charges, you got great lawyers and a lot of money, so mm-hmm. it's well worth uh, whatever, you know, court fees and, and all that stuff. You even get the good move. You get the cool move as a rock star where, and you're really, you can't be a badass rock star. I think the Rolling Stones invented this without having at least... Uh, one part of your behind the music where they show you being ushered into a courtroom in a $3,000 suit yeah. and you, you're wearing like your aviators and you're just kind of looking like a badass and you give an arrogant interview to the press on the steps of the courthouse. All right. Rank these because these. All right. So there's that. There's the usher to the courthouse. Yep. There's being detained at a foreign airport. Nice move. Well played move. Um, pump punching a guy in the face. Yeah, I mean, that's way at the top of the list. Way at the top. Yeah. Uh, having fans die at your concert. See, I don't know. that. I think you took it a little too far. That's <laughs> okay, a tragedy. Any way you look at it, Bob, okay. that's a tragedy. Okay, good. No, I needed to know where the line was. Okay. But so. if, you're, if you're... So you're kind of... Because I feel like the Rolling, the Rolling Stones... The Rolling Stones have yeah. done all of that. Altamont. Um, yeah, they're almost like... They are the what every, t- every band looks to in terms of being badasses. Because everything you just mentioned, they did at some point. Uh, anyway, so but my favorite Jack White story and the Van Bundy's knockout's a good one. That was good Bondies. for the Von, Von Bondy's too, because I, I feel like I know one song of theirs. Come on, come on, because Jack White punched him in the face. I think I know that because I think it was in might have been the MVP baseball 2005 for PS2. It was, I think, a song that was on that uh, on that game. It was like, come on, come mm-hmm. on, something like that. Right. Like that, but like better. I don't know. It probably wasn't too much better, though. Let's be honest. The Van Bondies. Uh, Anyway, so Jack White's marriage to a model named Karen Elson. Oh, uh, yeah. It's dissolved. It turned into like a shit show for poor Jack. A massive divorce. uh, Very ugly. Anyway, and that's just when uh, the feud with the Black Keys. Who's the Black Keys singer? Dan Auerbach? Yes. He has a song out right now, actually. That is my uh, two and a half year old son's favorite song. Uh, it's called something like Happy Sunshine. It's very poppy. It's that crazy. whole album is really good. Yeah. Uh, it's like Shine On Me. See? That's also better than the Von Bondies. <laughs> anyway, so he was fighting with the, the Black Keys, and then uh, the model that he was divorcing uh, dug up some emails. This is bad, Bob. You have to watch out for this uh, when your divorce comes around. Wait, I'm getting a vasectomy. <laughs> Why would I? Wait a minute. What do you know? <laughs> Where's your wife? Do you have any idea where your wife is right now? In the greater metropolitan area of New York City. Well, that's what she's telling you. All right. That's what I'm just what I'm saying. Anyway, so you never want your the the estranged wife and a nasty divorce to get the email server cooking. Put it that way. Uh, but in one of the messages that she brought out in court, uh, Jack White. And now I'm reading from an old Rolling Stone article. Uh, titled Jack White versus the Black Keys, a beef history. Ouch. Feels like it should be on the cover of Maxim. (laughs) 
White relayed, uh, White relayed how furious he was that his children were attending the same school as the children of Key's frontman Dan Auerbach. Quote, this is Jack White in an email that he never thought anyone else would see. That's a possible 12 fucking years I'm going to have to be sitting in kids' chairs next to that asshole with other people trying to lump us in together, White wrote. He gets yet another free reign to follow me around and copy me and push himself into my world. Yes, I fucking love that. <laughs> he did it. He is 100% right. Fuck you, Black Keys. <laughs> Team White Stripes right here. Uh well yeah I'm with you as well I just I more just feel bad for Jack White because how many petty things have you written to your wife or a girlfriend in an email you would and you would never want anyone else to see it because within their email together one it's that's typical couples talking to each other but then it gets used against you and that is dark that's dark all right next track is track five I believe this is a Meg White jam. <laughs> In fact, it is in the cold, cold night. I saw you standing in the corner on the edge of a burning light. I saw you standing in the corner. Come to me again in the cold, cold night. This is a nice little, uh, nice little breather in the album. I think it kind of breaks up the album basically in half. Uh, or close to it. There's actually 14 tracks in this. It's longer than I remembered. Uh, but this is track five, Cold Cold Night. Your thoughts, Bob, on Meg White in general as an entity? As an entity, like as a human being. Just uh, as something that is in your orbit as a person. Not, It's not a personal relationship. Just your thoughts on Meg White, the entity. I've always been fascinated by Meg White. I think, um, you know, she got a, a rap for being a bad drummer. A simplistic drummer. For sure. I mean, simplistic to bad. Yeah. I mean, I feel like Jack White has even said she's a bad drummer and she was like limiting what he could do. No, but he never went after her like that. He's made comments in the last few years about how he was. Lim- oh, OK. How he was like limited as to what they oh, could Jack, do. And that's down, why he man. that's why he won't go back. No, it's it's just answering questions of like a reunion. But there's a way to answer that. as someone that works in sports and sees quarterbacks like explain how why they're uh, when someone. Why is your tight end so shitty? And then you just deflect and take the answer in a little bit different direction, even though everyone knows that you know that your tight end sucks. You don't have to call that tight end out because it's obvious. You don't need to tell the press that. Jack didn't need to tell the press that Meg White was a limited drummer. Right. I feel like you're coming at me pretty hard right now because I'm kind of <laughs> nervous that maybe he didn't say that. Like, there's no research okay. that goes into these. Like, I did a little research, okay. and I could say because, and you're right, and the reason we, because Bob and I are not drummers, although on Rock Band maybe a little bit. Um, uh, the idea of Meg White being a, a, a simple drummer was well known and people would ask Jack, Jack White at the, when the White Stripes were at their height and he would always say Meg's drumming is central to the band's success in the sense that uh, it allowed him a portal is how he explained it to get into this world of blues or something some rock star bullshit right um, uh and that's how he would explain it. So he was a constant defender of Meg White. But how about this, Bob? I'll ask you a different question. I'll ask you in a different direction. Forget the entity things that seem to throw you off a little bit. I mean, it's a big entity. Yeah. Um, was Meg White hot? Was Meg White hot? Was I, I? Can I start with, was I attracted to Meg White? Were you attracted we'll to Meg White? backwards to, yes, I was. I felt like, you know, any first of all, anybody on stage immediately just bumps up their hotness quotient yeah female on stage or you know female male whatever i don't know were you trying to tell us something (laughs) bob and i alone in a garage together no we have a dog at night there's a dog here dog's got eyes but a dog can't Um, talk no i feel like uh you know watching her on stage or in videos like i feel like she's uh i was attracted to her and uh yeah you know what she's (laughs) hot pussyfooting bob she's hot but I know she's not. I know that she's kind of, kind of quirky and weird. And you know, I'm sure like if you threw a picture of her online, somebody would be like, "Can't believe you think she's hot." But you know what? Fuck you. Meg White's hot. <laughs> I think Meg White was super hot. Uh, I was into the because I think it's one of the great questions of uh, 2000s alternative music. Was Meg White hot? 
think it's one of the big legacies of the the, the white stripes. I would even go as far. Do you as think saying. so, or is that just us because we're perverts? Maybe, but I did like that she was this almost like a a mute. She didn't talk. No, she didn't. She talk was painfully lot. shy. Almost, I think, clinically. Uh, had uh, anxiety to the point where it drove her out of the music business. She's not even on the radar anymore. Right. She, there was, she never popped up in another side. They broke up basically in 2011. She has never popped up again on any music project. I I kind of was into the so shy that she needs a medication to help her uh, <laughs> and and was not quite, you know, a beautiful woman by any stretch. But, yeah, she was, she had some curves to her. You know, let's let's be honest here. She had some curves and she uh, uh, I'm saying she had big boobs, Bob. Talk about the boobs. No, I know you are. I'm, I'm just thinking, is this a low point for the podcast that we are just just completely we stopped the music just to talk about Meg White's body? If we put the music on and talk about whether Meg White <laughs> is hot, would that make you feel better? It would make me feel better if later we talk about is Jack White hot as well. Jack White, I think, is is fairly hot. Yes. OK. Yeah, I think he's attractive. And I believe he has nice boobs as well. Well, you know, I'll never forget. I read something in Vice magazine, I think around the time this album came out. And, you know, this is before Vice was like a TV station and they had this whole brand behind them. They were just like this magazine that you would grab on random street corners in New York City. And the review of this album, I believe it was this album, was just the writer talking about Jack White fucking Meg White. And how beautiful and insane the sex must have been between the two of them. And at some point... That's even creepier than the conversation we were just having. This was in Vice magazine. And it's one of those things that I can't unsee or unremember. Uh, The writer just says, you know Jack White... Some version of, you know Jack White has a massive dong. A Mike Seaver dong. Mike Seaver-esque dong. And uh, the the phrase he used was epic titwanks between the two of them. This is it. And I was like 23 reading this, wanting to read a review of Elephant, and I can never stop thinking about that to this day. Epic titwanks? That's what it was in the review. All right. I want to issue an, uh, a public apology to Meg White for the Hot or Not discussion, um, because she's going through British uh, rock writers uh, getting graphic into their fantasies. Guy got paid for that. It was weird. This song is called, uh, wait, so is Meg White hot or not? You said yes, I say yes. All the members of the White Stripes are hot. Okay, Throwback Podcast uh, believes that the White Stripes are hot. Correct. Physically. Okay, good. This is, you've got her in your pocket. Again, I think this, yeah, this ties in. Oh, wait, this is not the next track, Bob. Uh Uh-oh, we have our first foul up. This is track seven. Track six. We'll get. We're gonna go a little out of order. Wait, how did this happen? These things happen, Bob. I got. We got deep into the um, Meg White discussion. Then you threw the Jack White curveball to try to be politically correct. And all of a sudden, we we're talking about his genitals. <laughs> this is all accurate. So anyway, this. Yeah, this I don't know is, how this led to us skipping a track. I, I kind of I messed it up. Bob. So that, that's you've got her in your pocket. A nice little quiet song. This is the song in between two quiet. Uh, numbers, as my dad would say, and it's one of the best songs on the album, in my opinion. I wanna be the bottom of your mother's heart. I'm so scared to take you away. I try to win her over from the start, but something always got in the way. We've been sitting in your backyard for hours, but she won't even come out and say hi. While my mother baked a little cake for you, and even dreaded when you said goodbye. I love that song. I want to be the boy to warm your mother's heart. And it's basically, lyrically, it's exactly how the title lays it out, that long title. It's just a, a guy talking about he's trying to get his the mother of the girl he loves. He wants her to like him. That's what this song's about. It's so good. This there's, is there's, song, there's this, no you don't have to read into the lyrics and w- thematically what is it about? That's what that song's about, making your girlfriend's mom like you. I love everything about this song. I love the subject matter, I love the tempo, I love the lyrics. Um, and I'm just gonna throw this out there now. At the end of every episode, we pick one song 
from each album to put on our throwback playlist on Spotify. This is an early favorite for me because it's a song that you don't necessarily think of right away when you think of the White Stripes, but it's one of their better songs. It's a great song. It's a nice like little mid-tempo song, and it's 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 a warm song. Again, I love uh, I love how Jack White delivers the lyrics. Uh, and I like the the final chorus or the final uh, verse is my favorite verse on the album. Uh, I'll just read the lines here. I never said I was the heir to a fortune. I never claimed to have any looks, but these kind of things must be important because somebody ripped my ripped out my page in your telephone book. I love that. That's, That's great. so good. That is one of my favorite songs on the album. Absolutely. I'm with you on that, Bob. Now, is it going to get the coveted Spotify playlist? Spot? I'm not saying it definitely will. I'm just saying, you know, hearing it for the first time in a while, it got me immediately excited, and that's like the first thing I look for in what's going to be on the playlist. What do you think Meg White's doing right now? Listening to this podcast. <laughs> I mean, she doesn't talk a lot. She could just walk around with her headphones on. Is this a live streaming show that I'm not aware of? Oh, right now. Yeah, I think right, now. right now when we're posting. Not right now when other people are listening. Oh. what we're doing right now. Listening to this podcast. Oh, shit. <laughs> She's really that fucking in tune major, with, the, with the universe. That's a strange situation. I know. Uh, uh, just a little housekeeping here. Uh, yes, Burt Backrack, Bob. That was Burt. Um, that did. I just don't know what to do with myself. Wanted to make sure we had that right. Great. Because I don't think, you know, I, people aren't coming to us for a detailed breakdown of the engineering and the uh, thematic breakdown leading to the creation of the sound, but we should be accurate. Fact no, I mean, of course, like, you know, moving forward, though, while we're doing the podcast, um, if you ever fact check me again, I will fucking kill you. <laughs> All right. Bring it. <laughs> I'll take everything you got and more, son. All right. Now, track seven, we heard it. You got her in your pocket. Yeah. What are you going to do about that song? It's a regrettable that I went out of order accidentally. But it's not like uh, that's a song that people really think about a lot anymore. I had a lot of deep stuff to say about it. You kind of tainted the whole podcast. But it's uh, another not bad song on this album. There's zero bad songs on this album. Uh, which leads us to track eight, which I believe is the best rock song of uh, the 2000s. You ready? Mm-hmm. The song is called... Ball and Biscuit. I like that it's kind of a slow burner. This is, I believe, the longest song on the album. It is 719. Seven minute. That is positively Be Here Now in. But whereas Be Here Now, uh, as we talked about it in our first episode of this podcast, there was no business of those songs being that long. This song uses every second. Well, in fact, to remind, we talked about the Rolling Stones. This was a very this may I always think of the Rolling Stones and some of their better kind of bluesy uh, rock songs from the early '70s. Uh, this song would make Keith Richards proud. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, it uses every second. There's like two great guitar solos in this. Uh, it could honestly be longer. Like this is a great song. This is the song I would listen to on my walks to the subway when I was living in New York because I was about seven minutes away from the subway and I would just put this song on to get from door to door. <laughs> it is. This is the first album where where Jack White really uh, leaned into what an incredible guitarist he was, where there were big solos. And in fact, this the chorus of the song is just him just going fucking nuts on the guitar, a, a shredding uh basically solo as as everyone knows the band all the band was was a guitarist and a drummer who's no bassist this ended up in a commercial at some point right i hope not i think it did here let's listen to this
he was basically peerless also in his generation. Was there another guitarist that, uh, as much maligned as he is, John Mayer is one of the better guitarists uh, of th- this generation, but is there someone with Jack w- in Jack White's realm? Like, who is even celebrated at the level Jack White is, is one of the best guitarists in rock history? I think he wears the crown pretty easily. What do you mean? Is there any other guitarist in the era in the 2000 to right. present? That's a good question. I maybe think he's maybe got it. maybe Lil Yachty. <laughs> Lil Yachty's pretty good. Um, Maris Yahoo. <laughs> Maris Yahoo. <laughs> he was also, if you, it's a pretty good documentary. Um, it's pretty technical, as ne- neither uh, Bob or I are guitarists, but um, I don't know. I don't know. Combined, we could play. <laughs> All part, right, let's break it down. part of Blister in the Sun. Yep. Uh, you could play uh, I could Glycerine. Play the, uh, I could play a little bit of Glycerine in the opening of the Oasis song, Stand By Me. Okay, I could play the uh, the bass line of Satisfaction. Yeah, you're a pretty varied musician, Bob. On, this is just, yeah, pretty good. That's all I got. I feel like there was a period where both of us can kind of play Santa Monica by Everclear. Oh, yeah. That was, that was a special time. Special time. Musically for the entire country. <laughs> uh, they they Might Get Loud was a documentary with Jimmy Page, The Edge, and Jack White, uh, which was fun just to see um, Jack White kind of just being the guitar god. But Ball and Biscuit, to me, is the centerpiece uh, of this their entire career, the White Stripe showing Jack White off as... Um, the best guitarist of his generation. Yeah, like I only saw the White Stripes that one time. And you All right, we heard about it, Bobby. You snuck out you're such a bad boy. However, you got fired, but you landed on your feet because you always land on your feet because you're that type of talent. <laughs> Not at all where I was going. I was going to say I also saw the Tours once at... Roseland. You had too many side projects. And I didn't love them, yeah. but when I saw them live, I became a short-term fan because it was such an amazing concert to see live and see mm. him do that like live like i didn't love the albums but seeing him play guitar and like really get to be a rock star surrounded by other musicians was different than like the white stripes experience do you remember his first side project during the uh white stripes run this probably shortly after elephant came out around 2004 or 5 i think i don't i'm trying to think you're gonna be mad when i say it the I'm dead a- weather that was before Rack and Toys? I believe it was. Okay. Yeah. But it was, you know, like if you knew it, you would have said Dead Weather. Well, I knew Dead so Weather. don't act like, oh, you might have the time off, and that's why I got it wrong. I feel like that's exactly what just happened. I feel like. <laughs> Track nine. All here right. we go. All right. The hardest button to button. This is one of the singles, I believe. Yep. And a great video. There's some really good videos uh, the White Stripes put out. Let's listen to this. This is up there for me. Where does it rank for you, Bob? This is probably top three or four in the album for me. Yeah, agreed. Was Conan O'Brien in this video? Why do I remember? Yes. Okay. He had Conan and, and Jack White had a good relationship. I think they were on the show a lot, and Jack White probably liked Conan's sensibilities, which is good because Conan O'Brien's a genius, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, this is a great song. Um, and he does have like a random cameo. Where if you're not, you can blink and miss a type cameo. Okay. What was the video? Just was it the, it was type of like a almost not stop animation, but stop camera work where it would get closer and further away, the mm-hmm. band members. Yeah, it was a banger. Um, And this was a single. I'm trying to, I don't know if this one did it. I don't know if anything else really broke big on this album in terms of radio play other than Seven Nation Army. I feel like this one was on the radio. This one got a little buzz. Well, you were working, was this during your MTV VH1 days? Were you? Yeah, yeah, this was MTV. Was this a TRL banger? That's a good question. I don't know. Don't By know 2003, was. was TRL still as big? I no, don't no, fully no. remember. In 2004, a little knowledge here, Bob, the album did win the Grammy for Best Alternative Music Album. And Seven Nation Army won a Grammy for Best Rock Song. In fact, they won... Um, 
they put out I think three albums after this. It was either two or three. Yeah, uh, at least it was. Get behind um, me, Satan. Uh, was that the Icky Thump album? Icky Thump. And there was one more. So there was either two or three, but every their last three or four albums all won the Grammy for best alternative uh, album. So, so they Meg, were Meg darling. White, they Meg were darling. White has so many Grammys. She has many. She has many Grammys. You know what I think Meg's doing right now? This is how, this is what I picture Meg's doing right now. Okay. She's curled up on the couch. Okay. She's got a nice like a vodka soda, and she's got a fire going. Uh, it's hot outside, but she's got the air conditioner cranked up, and she's got the fire going. She just likes to snuggle. She's got a blanket, and she's watching Forensic Files. And she has a whole DVR full of them. And it's Friday night, but for Meg, this is this is going out. This is a party. And you just fast forward th- through the commercials, and you can knock out like five episodes in a night. Uh-oh, snack time. Got some good stuff in the freezer. Some pizza bites. Oh, these taste good. <laughs> just keep going. Light a candle. Is that scented? Oh, that's great. All right, now what? Oh, one more drink? Sure. Okay. Oh, forensic file's all done. Now what? <laughs> Time to retire to the bedroom. Retire. <laughs> Jeez. Um, the, weird, the only weird thing about that, and honestly, like, there's only one weird thing about that is how everything she was doing is something you'd rather be doing right now. <laughs> Vodka soda is your drink. Forensic Files is exactly the show you would be watching. Why is Meg White having your perfect Friday evening? Don't let my wife hear this one. <laughs> uh, track 10 is uh, called Little Acorns. Let's listen. And sadness smothers oh, well, this is one we that we should definitely talk in the beginning. Because there's about a minute and a half of this story about a squirrel getting a nut. Jack White's a weird dude, and I respect him for it. See, this is while very, this is one of those things like the first time like you're talking to be, louder to talk over this guy. Let me lower him even more. Um, this is one of those things like the first time you hear the album, this is really interesting. And then you never want to hear this part again. But it's a yeah. good song, but it, it kind of ruins the song. Yeah, I've also often wondered that. Uh, I'm not a major hip hop uh, guy, but if if I was a huge fan of hip hop and I had a bunch of albums, especially uh, in the '90s, where th- like half the there's 27 tracks and there were a bunch of interstitials and it was all like talking and and beef and score settling. Doesn't that take away from the ultimate product if you're trying to have something somebody wants to listen to repeatedly? How many times do you have to hear? Like for instance, Eminem had. In uh, an insane clown posse uh, skit where they're having gay sex with one another, and it's like, all right, we get it. You you banged insane cl- clown posse there in a big spot, but then that's on your album forever. And it kind of affects the listening experience because nobody wants to hear a simulated sex act between ICP guys. Right, like almost nobody wants to hear that. Almost. Um, but something like that, at least that would be its own track, and you could skip over. And it, yeah, it's annoying, and it kind of ruins the album as a whole. But this, when you have like the the narrator in the song, it just kind of bangs the song. The song isn't that good either. Though. I could do go. with that little acorn. Here we go. What were we saying at the top of the show that there was no song you could swap out? What were we going to play? I, said, oh. I, just, I just said there are no bad songs. Oh, that's when we could circle back to Seven Nation Army, but we won't. I think we properly discussed. But this is not a bad song, but it's tainted it's because of the beginning. That's fine. Let's move on to track 11. 14 tracks. Here's track 11. It's called Hypnotize. a great little back end of an album a lot of people probably forgot about or never really dug in on it i like this song this is very early white stripes this is very very digestive 
right? The so Solange. Just, yeah, very just Solange. Solange. Very white stripes, the first uh, thing they put out. This is like uh, Hello Operator, Apple Blossom, that kind of style. Uh, it's great. Do I like no this Turn this up, Bob. Turn this up. Oh, yeah. That's kind of a shitty German. I think, she, I think Meg did a great job on that. I thought, well, we could say that because we played many, many hours of uh, rock band. So right. you could drum on rock band. You could make those type of blankets. Not statements. as easy as it looks. Uh, all right. That is hypnotized. Let's move on to track 12. Uh, this is called The Air Near My Fingers. Don't be self-conscious, Bobby. Go ahead. You feel it? Go ahead. Get into it. I'm good. I'm good. I just had to do a little doo-doo. Uh, another example of this album, I do not endorse 14-track albums, typically. You clock in at 11 or 12 and get out, but... I think Jack White was operating at such a high level uh, creatively right now. It's another banger, a track 12 banger. He just had it all working at this point. Late banger. Um, before we finish the album, though, I feel like since we, I feel like we've done a lot of fact checking in this uh, podcast. Yeah. I do need to go back. And uh, there's something you said earlier that was kind of rubbing me that I've been thinking about that we need to get back to. It's been rubbing you. Yeah. Been the wrong me way? The wrong way. Oh, because you left it open to which way it was rubbing you. I thought it was implied. Could have been the right way. <laughs> but it's rubbing you the no, wrong this way. this one's the wrong way. Okay, what was rubbing you the wrong way? Uh, when you were talking about Jack White's divorce yeah. to Karen Ellison, Elson, you said yes. very uh, contentious, like very like a bad divorce. What you're forgetting is Jack White and Karen famously had a divorce party. Oh. The invitation to their divorce leaked out where they had a party to celebrate the fact they were getting divorced. That's right. So it what it totally, move. I thought that's what you were going to say before, because it totally backs up your he's a weird guy thing. I forgot about the divorce party. They had a divorce party, and I think the invitation ended up on Gawker or something. But they were both like, you know what? This relationship didn't work out. Come celebrate the end of our marriage. That's an amazing move, because it was a bitter divorce. Maybe it was a bad party. Maybe that's why it turned oh, into a bitter it was a divorce. Great party. I'm looking at the invitation right now. Walk us through this. <laughs> this is a great invitation. Uh, it's uh, it reads as follows: Jack White kindly requests the presence of, and then a name at a party to celebrate their sixth anniversary and their upcoming divorce, <laughs> with a positive swing. A bang humdinger taking place at, and then an address, Nashville, Tennessee, Friday, June 10th. Uh, the party will include dancing, photos, memories, and drinks with alcohol in them. This is only for close personal friends and family, so please no plus ones or deadbeats. Please help us celebrate together this anniversary of the making and breaking of the sacred union of marriage with our best friends and animals. Yes. So many, so many beautiful nuggets in that. That tells you so much about uh, Jack White. And frankly, uh, Miss Elson as well. They had a good sense of humor about themselves, even after what was a nasty divorce. <laughs> I don't think there were kids involved, which probably helped. Probably helped. I Well, no, there must have been kids involved if it involves the Black Keys. Oh, you're right. There yeah. was kids involved. Well, they're either... A little too self-indulgent or still even cooler, perhaps. I mean, I just from now on, I'm putting no deadbeats on every invitation I ever send out. <laughs> That's great. Well, that should be kind of a given. But I I feel like I don't know. Deadbeats find a way to like show up. Well, so. when we yeah, like when we lived together in Hollywood and we would throw a lot of parties, uh, it was four of us living together. It was a lot of rock band being played. And then we'd probably throw like a, a, a banger of a party once every two months or so. 
and there were always deadbeats. Always deadbeats. But if we would have said no deadbeats on the invitation, I'm just saying from this point on, no deadbeats. I mean, real human gutter balls, especially living in Hollywood. Yeah, no. uh, It's part of the learning curve of moving here and having parties and being just blown away by the amount of deadbeats. Yeah. All right. Track 13, girl, you have no faith in medicine. Another winner. Again, his delivery is it's it's a it's my if if Liam Gallagher had my favorite delivery of the '90s, I gotta give it to Jack White. This you don't have to be a, a, a classically trained singer to be a great singer, and that's Jack White. Yeah, so much attitude in this song. Yeah, and you could tell he yeah the way he yeah the cadence in his voice the the half singing half speaking of it all. This song's another great example. And that takes us to the final track, 14 tracks, which is a little bit, you know, excessive. It's okay. 14's okay. But what you can do, and if I, if Jack would have been plugged in to what uh, the 23-year-old version of myself would have had to say about his creative direction, I would say pocket a couple of these songs and, uh, and put them on the next album. All right, let's close this out. I disagree. Why do you disagree? Because Jack White was at no shortage of having great songs. He had a lot of great songs in the subsequent albums. He did what he he got them out in this one. And then the next album, he had another batch of great songs. All right. Then how about the idea of being your generation's uh, Billy Corgan and putting out the definitive double album of the 2000s? Well, we're stay, still waiting for. Stay away from that. You don't want to because they're basically two songs or three songs away from having a double album worth of material. 14 songs is not an excessive amount of songs. Eh. Here's track. Eh. Eh. Agree to disagree. I feel like, well, it's yeah, let's songs. agree. To, I feel like we'll get deeper into this at some point. Because even if the songs are good, which we know, there's all these songs and most of these songs, except for that piece of shit, Little Acorns, are very good songs. But you almost kind of they get lost because there's so many of them. Yeah, but some of these songs are like three minutes long or like a touch under, a touch over. If you had 14 three-minute songs, you're clocking in at 42 minutes, which is not a long album. All right, here's my follow-up, Bob. Go fuck yourself. Okay, here we go. Last Track song of the 14. album. 14. <laughs> well, it's true that we love one another. Well, it's true that we love one another. I love Jack White like a little brother. <laughs> I love this song. Well, Holly, I love you too. But there's just so much that I don't know about you. I love this band. This is why I'm happy we're doing this show. Pain pills. He had, clearly, maybe that explains his friendship with Conan O'Brien. Jack White clearly has a very good sense of humor, and he's not afraid to take a very serious project and infuse uh, funny stuff in it. There's very, it just, it's just like a funny track to end things on. Yeah, especially like the last couple of songs were like early White Stripe punk songs. Then he ends with like a country singer and Meg White and they're just all trading verses and it's insane. It's an insane way to end this album, but it's perfect. Wait, is this... This isn't just Jack and Meg? Is there No, there's woman a third, Holly... Goity? I don't know. Oh, I thought name. Meg was playing a character named Holly, which wouldn't make sense because Jack White's the character, but also this is the White Stripes and they're weird fucking people. So they're I thought, weird. No, it's it's a great. I, I get that, but yeah, I, no, there's three people here. Like Meg would be like, "Well, I'm not comfortable playing myself in the song, so I'll be, I have to be a character." And Jack would be like, "Ugh, all right, you'll be Holly," and they're like, "I'll be Jack White because that's who I am." No, three people. And so that's there you it. go. A great I love I love closing albums out with either kind of a slower song, a more kind of reflective song, or something a little quirky like this. So it's to me it's basically a little long, but basically a perfect album. Completely agree. So now is the tough part. We have to pick one song to put on our Spotify throwback playlist. So far we have some really I mean, it's going to be an incredible playlist. It's on its way to like the people of Spotify are going to come at us being like, can we can we sponsor you? Like, I don't know how this works, 
but we're about to. Yeah, get, their business model seems a little weird. A little weird. They want to sponsor us. I yeah, I, like I don't that. know, but we're we're about to make bank on this playlist because we're we are selecting the best songs from each of these albums. What song off of Elephant do we put on our Spotify playlist? Well, are you sticking with your choice uh, that it was about halfway through the album? What was it again? Uh, boy to warm I want to be the boy to warm yep. your mother's heart. Um, I don't know if I'm sticking with it, but I will say, because I want you to throw it out first, I will say the only song that I'm going to potentially veto, I don't think we should put Seven Nation Army on here. No, that'd be basic. Because it's We're not basic. creating a basic playlist. No, no, this is like, again legit playlist and it's also not like the, our playlist isn't going to be too cool like we're like we're overthinking it but people have heard seven nation army enough times you want to hear seven nation army go to a baltimore ravens home game you'll <laughs> hear it um my choice bob uh would be because again i think it is uh my favorite kind of blues rock song of this millennia is ball and biscuit that is what I was going to say. Oh, yes. I was going to say when ma- comes the only together. argument against it is that it's long. But you know what? Who gives a fuck? Who gives a fuck? It's worth it. It's worth every minute of that song. Put it on the list. It's on the list. All right. So you can find that. We'll t- we will tweet it out. Follow the throwback pod uh, at throwback pod on Twitter. Yep. We, will t- we will tweet out the Spotify link. Um, yeah. Follow us. Rate us, subscribe on iTunes, tell your friends, give us an excuse to keep drinking in Dan's garage. And uh, Dan, what else do you have to say? Just I, I really out, don't maybe. have much else to say other than thank you to everyone that's been reaching out to us on Twitter uh, and letting us know that you enjoy the show. Uh, we're glad we're going to keep it coming unless you don't leave any fucking reviews and five stars. And then we're just shutting the bitch down. Yeah, you got to do that, guys. Come on. Step it up. And uh, Meg, uh, I'm coming in. Push pause on the DVR. It's Forensic Files times. Time. <laughs> what? What a weird ending. Very weird. All yeah, right, till next time. soon enough you will care by the time I'm done. Let's have a ball and a biscuit, sugar. That was a HeadGum Podcast.